which today our passage comes from the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness." For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come... To what may be touched, a bla- for, sorry, for you, have not, you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, 
Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. You may be seated. Tell you that chapter's so good we could just say amen and go on home. Oof. Good stuff. And I I couldn't pick out of that passage what to read and what not to read, so I told Will to own it like a boss and read the whole chapter. And he said, Oh, I will. I am Will. I will. And it's a quick little humorous thing as we get started. I was getting things ready for the service, and I was looking for the slides for the songs and was typing in the title for that last song we sang, Yet Not I, But Through Christ and Me. And I misspelled yet, and I typed yeet. <laughs> yeet not I. Now, some of y'all may not know what yeet means. It took, okay, this is, this is a younger person's word, okay? Yeet means to throw something with a lot of force. So it's like, God, yeet not I. Yeet! I'm not making that. Look it up. Look it up. Google it. So I cracked myself up, and I'm like, yeet not I. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Yeet not I. Oh, dear Lord, please yeet me not. So I, and I just kept on going. So, so then that led me to, now that I'm going to go on the other side of the spectrum age-wise, okay? And I started thinking of the Bobby Bear classic, Dropkick Me Jesus Through the Goalposts of Life. And I know if none of y'all knew who Keith Whitley was a few weeks ago, y'all sure don't know who Bobby Bear is. Some of y'all do, some of you don't. But literally, there's a song that Bobby Bear sang called Dropkick Me Jesus Through the Goalposts of Life. Let me, I'm, I'm, 1976, I'm going to read you... A sampling of this classic. It starts, drop kick me, Jesus, through the goalposts of life, end over end, neither left nor the right, straight through the heart of them righteous uprights, drop kick me, Jesus, through the goalposts of life. Watch this. Bring on the brothers who've gone on before and all of the sisters who've knocked at your door. All the departed, dear loved ones of mine, and stick them up front in the offensive line. I'm not making this up. I'm not that cool or that clever. One more verse. Make me, oh, make me, Lord, more than I am. Make a peace in your master game plan. Free from the earthly tempestion below. Are you ready? I've got the will, Lord, if you've got the toe. <laughs> Drop kick me, Jesus, through the goalposts of life, end over end, neither left nor the right, straight through the heart of them righteous uprights. Drop kick me, Jesus, through the goalposts of life. Yeet me not, but dropkick me, Jesus. <laughs> now we say amen and leave, right? Now that. <laughs> I know you're just, uh, huh? Like big, maybe. Okay, I haven't picked one out yet. So, 
I know you're just stunned by that brilliance, right? Well, you're welcome. Yeah, go home and, and listen to that song. It's, it's, it's quite, quite the deal. But, and seriously, in light of what Will read, it makes pretty doggone good sense. It's bad theology, but it makes pretty doggone good sense. I would think that we have got to be wondering why in the world I brought that up, right? Well, it's that one line, the one I emphasized, free from the earthly tempestion below. And I did look it up, and it does say tempestion, which I don't think is a real word. But I've got the will, Lord, if you've got the toe. It's been a pretty crazy couple years, y'all. Y'all remember last year? Wow. I'm like, drop kick me now, Jesus, right? I know you got the toe. Do it. But this year has been really weird to me. 2020 was its own thing, right? And and, and 2021, as I started thinking about... So, so what we're doing today, just so you know, we're looking back at the past year... And, and setting the stage for moving into the new year. This is the end of year summary message type deal. And as I started looking back at this year, it was hard to remember the beginning of the year. Really hard for me to remember the beginning of this year. Um, do, we, do we have the picture there, Andrew? Oh, maybe. Try again. It's not there? Oh, that's it. Well, I tried to upload. Remember, remember the Bernie Sanders picture where he's got his arms crossed, legs crossed? That was this year. That was the beginning of this year. That seems like five years ago to me. And as I'm going back, and actually there was a picture and it said, this, somehow this was this year. And it showed Bernie Sanders. And I'm like, that was this year. This year has been just an anomaly to me. I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of like, I feel like I've lived in the twilight zone this year. And, and I need a little extra oomph, right, to, to get through. I, I feel like I've been kicked, and I need to be kicked in this year, right? If you've got, I've got the will, Lord, if you've got the toe. And I think this year, specifically, I think we've all needed a little extra toe, a little extra push from God, a little extra encouragement, and I'm not saying we need to be kicked. Don't, idiot, <laughs> But I've needed God, and I still do, I think probably even more than the beginning of the year, to inject his power in my life and get me through this year, these goalposts, more and more. And, and, and it's safe for me to say, safe and right, I think, for me to say that one of the most prominent ways that I've gotten that encouragement, that kick in the pants, so to speak, has been by being here with you folks. And in the passage that we'll read, and we'll look at it again some more a little bit as we go through here, you see things like cloud of witnesses, right? That holy offensive line of those who have gone on before. And and we look back, and, and of course the writer Hebrews is coming out of Hebrews 11 and this hall of faith and righteous Abel all the way to the blood of Zechariah. Um. And reminding us that there are people who have gone on before and who have gone through a lot of bad and hard things. And so then he goes into chapter 12 and he says, considering these things, thinking about these things, what's the call then? 
The call then is for us to cast aside the weight, the hardships, the struggles, the sin which clings so closely and to press on and to push on and to encourage each other to do the same. And one, again, one of, the, one of the most prominent ways that I've gotten that jolt and that encouragement and that oomph in my life has been from this group of people. And as we end 2021 and look forward to 2022, if it should come, Jesus, it, it, it might finally popped up. Here's, I don't know if y'all can see that. There's Bernie. I see Bernie. You remember Bernie? He got put everywhere, didn't he? He was everywhere. But as we look, look back at this past year and look forward into what may occur in 2022, and we don't know, do we? I saw one, one meme that said, you know, nobody say 2022 is going to be your year. We're going to sneak in real quiet and respectfully, okay, and let what happens happen, right? I think we can get a little extra momentum, even today, um, looking, looking at, loving, serving one another and looking back at where we've been uh, over this past year. So I looked back and, and got some specifics of things that happened in 2021 with and for us as a church uh, right near the beginning of the year. Lucas joined us in covenant. That happened. Um, and then basically January to June was just really weird. I mean, it was just really weird. Masks, no masks, should we meet, should we not meet, we're going to meet, okay, let's do this, okay, and everybody's kind of like, eh, maybe I shouldn't go today because my throat's a little scratchy, and just all kinds of questions, and, but, but, but we did it by the grace of God, and God allowed us to meet, and, and we, we were here week after week, and some people would miss here and there, but we made it back all the way up to June 20th, anybody remember what June 20th was? It was West Virginia Day. It was Father's Day. It was also the first Sunday we had coffee back. Amen. Right? Because we hadn't had it all that time because of COVID. Because COVID. It was also our first meal back together. It was Father's Day. We had a cookout. Okay? Um, so that happened June 20th. So like halfway through the year, we're kind of like, okay. And so we're like, are things back to normal? Are things like they used to be? Can we go ahead? Are we okay? I don't know. I don't know is, is the theme of 2021 for me. Should we? Shouldn't we? Can we? Can't we? I don't know. And June 20th, we said, you know what? Coffee. Cookout. Let's do this. And we did it. August 21st. Anybody remember August 21st? That's right, that's right. Janetta remembers it too, she's just not in here. August 21st, we grew numerically with a new human being in our midst, Mr. Leon. Um, along that time, uh, things started happening in Afghanistan um, with the Taliban taking over there and we helped uh, biblical ministries worldwide uh, get some of those Christians in Afghanistan out of the country. Your your funds that you gave uh, helped do that. Uh, I, looking back, my, my Facebook feed wouldn't... I tried it 20 times, and I couldn't get very far back. But September 12th, uh, Luke and Lauren announced their pregnancy and that Mr. Silas was coming. They didn't know it was Mr. Silas at the time, but that's, that's what, that was September 12th. Uh, September 26th, the Schmitz joined us in Covenant. Um, the McKays came back 
All these people that I mentioned aren't here today. So. <laughs> but I promise they're part of us. Uh, November 7th, Samsung joined us in Covenant. Also not here. It's okay. We love you. We miss you, though. Um, some of the ministry opportunities that we had, of course, the shoeboxes and all that entails, and Bob and Mary really served their guts out with the shoeboxes, which they've done for three years now. Am I right? Three, three or four. Um, and then the, the youth group got together and wrapped those up, and they were dispersed with Life Changers, and that was the service on December 12th at Life Changers. We, we even went to a couple of movies this year. Huh? What a weird year, right? <laughs> we went to the movies twice. That's just a broad overview of some of the stuff that happened this year, things that I've remembered, things that were jarred in my memory um, by Facebook. And again, looking at that stuff, I'm like, man, that's, that's a good year. And it was, and it was still wacky and weird and confusing and frustrating and hard. Anybody had a hard year? I mean, we're not done with it yet, right? We're like, yeah, don't jinx us, right? And I don't believe in you. But it's been, it's been tough. It's been hard. And you know what? I think if I've learned anything in my 48 years, is that life's hard. And I wish somebody would have set me down when I was 10, 12, 14. I probably wouldn't listen to them. But at least they could have planted the seed by telling me, hey, things are going to be hard. Because life is hard. And if we expect just ease and comfort, we can. there's plenty of churches that will preach that to you. You're not going to get that here. You're going to get encouragement. And you're going to get strength. But I hope you've heard consistently from this pulpit and from up the road there at the Adventist building when we met there, God has never promised us just ease, just comfort, just joy. Those things are promised to us. But he's also promised us hardship and suffering and persecution. And so it should come as no surprise when 2021 comes around. And we go, what? What is this? Some of you folks in your personal lives have had crazy things happen, hard things happen, bad things happen. There's been loss. There's been grief. There's been frustration. And I don't want to say deal with it, but I want to help you know how to deal with it. And that's what we want to do here is to look at the situations, look at the circumstances, and look at the book and say, what do we do about this? And so we did start the look at the book series on our Wednesday nights. And um, Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, we've looked at a lot. And we're going to read it again here today. Um, I, okay, oh, do we have that? Will that pull up, Andrew? Yes, let me get it up on my screen because I didn't type it in because I'm not very smart. But anyway, I, I didn't promise you smart either, by the way. So I, I just want to read this. And, and what I hope that you get out of this is that, okay, yeah, I do understand that a lot more than I did before. I am more familiar with that, not in a bad way. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved." In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making, made, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of the time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance." having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Again, that's what a sentence paragraph passage and as much time as we've spent in these 20 minute segments with John Piper on Wednesday nights there's still so much more but I think as we've worked through that over these last oh goodness gracious several months uh, a whole lot of the year truthfully you see the depths you see the truths that are inherently uh, proclaimed through this passage. And again, if you just read that and got to the end of that period there at the end of 14, you could go, huh. But I think as we've dug in and as we've purposefully just marinated in this passage, which we'll continue to do throughout the book of Ephesians, um, it just gives us greater insight, gives us a little deeper understanding. And it's not secret knowledge. It's not some weird Gnostic thing. It's plain truth. And when the Holy Spirit brings that to our attention, and when here's, here's what I really want to think about with the look at the book stuff. When we slow down enough to focus, to think, to pray, to ask for understanding and insight, it's all there. And so that's part of the reasoning behind the look at the book series for us. Um, and we adopted a pretty good teacher there in John Piper and and put employed him here and don't have to pay him a penny which is fantastic um but it's just been good and i think that the the main thing there is let's just slow down let's gather together let's listen to him teach as teach the bible and then talk about it and then we've started praying at the end of the wednesday night service those are good things those are church things right and that's kind of been encouragement that i needed to get and there's been several we we did the Wednesday night Zoom meetings for a while before we started meeting back here. And then it's just, it just many Wednesday evenings I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to drive out to that building and get done at 8 o'clock and get home at 8.30 or 9 o'clock and get a wild dog out of the pen and watch it run around in my living room and make a mess and look at me like it's going to bite me. I don't want to do that this evening. But there has not been a Wednesday evening when I've left and said, I wish I hadn't done that. It's been strengthening. It's been encouraging. It's given me a little bit more of the toe of God. <laughs> I'm going to adopt that phrase, by the way. And y'all are going to know what I'm talking about. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? 
But uh, it's just given me that encouragement more than I realized that it ever would. And again, that great passage there I think we're more familiar with and we know it much better. Now, <clears throat> on Sunday mornings, let me go back and remember and uh, talk about where we've been over the past year. Now, a year ago, the first uh, Sunday of January of this year, we started into Matthew 24, okay? And we would go on to finish Matthew uh, after being in Matthew for almost three years. Um, But 24 and 25, chapters 24 and 25, well, from 24 to 28, we covered five chapters, 21 messages in those five chapters. Chapters 24 and 25 were about the end times, you know, when will these things be, a call to readiness in those two chapters. And it seems like we've talked about that a lot this year, not just in those messages, but a call to look for the return of Christ and to be ready. And one of, if you go way back, in that same Sunday, we talked about Titus 2, 11 to 14, and looking for the blessed hope and committing that to memory. And that was kind of a theme of our year, uh, being ready, looking for the return of Christ. And he is coming again. And I'm not just saying that for an amen. I lit the Christ candle on purpose. It's like Advent's over. Well, yeah-ish. But I hate that we don't get to light the Christ candle because Christmas isn't on a Sunday. So I lit it. So there, all you people who would say I shouldn't have done that because Advent the Christ candle should have been lit yesterday I don't care drop kick me if you want to Um, so anyway a call to readiness and a looking for and a longing for the return of Jesus who is coming in physical form to reign and rule upon the earth forever as he reigns and rules with us by his side And for eternity, we're going to worship Jesus. That's a good thing to look forward to. And so we looked at that in chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew and the call time and time again. Be ready, be ready, be ready. Uh, Matthew 26, Jesus was betrayed. The Last Supper was instituted. Uh, Gethsemane, Jesus was arrested. Peter's denial. Chapter 27, Jesus before Pilate. The crowd calls out for Barabbas. Jesus is mocked. Jesus is crucified. And Jesus is buried. And I, again, I would remind you, these are historical events. These aren't cleverly concocted myths that somebody has put out there to give us a false hope. These are historical truths. Jesus Christ was a real man who was God in the flesh. And he was crucified to pay the penalty for our sins. So the physical crucifixion of Jesus, the physical death of Jesus, the physical burial of Jesus are foundational truths to our Christian faith. We say it every Sunday. You say, well, I don't believe it. Search out the history. If you can come back to me and prove to me historically that Jesus Christ didn't live on the earth, that he wasn't crucified, that he wasn't buried, and then chapter 28 was resurrected, Because he did come back from the dead. That's weird. And it's the norm for Christian people. Resurrection life is the norm for Christian people. If you can prove to me that those four things didn't happen, I'll renounce my faith. But you can't. You can't do it. Because Jesus Christ was a real person. He was God in the flesh. He was crucified. He was buried. He died in between there, crucified and buried. Crucified implies dead, by the way, because you don't. nobody survives crucifixion. They were too good at killing people. 
And then he did come back to life. And then he did assemble his disciples there at the end of Matthew 28. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now that's a bold proclamation. Either it's true or he was a nut, to paraphrase C.S. Lewis. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If I say that, you go, yeah, right. You're talking about getting drop kicked to the goalposts of life. You don't have all authority. But Jesus said it and he meant it and it was true. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto the person of Jesus Christ. The physical person of Jesus Christ who then ascended into heaven. Heaven's a real place. And he sat down on a real throne where he's waiting for the day when the father says go back. And he is going to come back in physical form. And he's going to sit on a real throne in a real city and we're going to sit there with him and we're going to reign and rule forever. Pine sky by and by? Sure, I'm okay with that. Because it's the truth. I'm going to eat lunch today. Well, you just pine the sky by and by. No, I'm lunch today. It's going to happen. Just like this is going to happen. And so Matthew 24 to 28 called our attention to these things. And I want to remind us of them again because they're true. They're real. It actually happened. And we can anchor our faith on those critical truths of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that all authority is given to him. And so he said there at the end of that commission, therefore you go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's good encouragement. So we left Matthew. Remember where we went from Matthew? It's a four-letter word, four-letter name, and it rhymes with tooth. Starts with R. Ruth. We went from Matthew to Ruth. Four chapters of, math, uh, of Ruth, five messages, because we had an introductory messages, uh, introductory message the week before. And two big themes out of Ruth. Providence, the unseen hand guiding everything, and redemption. Ruth was really good. Ruth is really good. We looked at four R's through those four chapters. Ruin, relief. (laughs) Somehow I've typed Romans. It's romance and redemption. Ruin, relief, romance, redemption. Those were the four R's. I did manage to get ruthless in there. He still hasn't forgiven me for that. (laughs) Which is not very Christian of (laughs) him. We confronted um, some very, very relevant Themes also in Ruth, ageism. Um, Poor Naomi who said, call me Mara, and how the old were looked upon in that culture, good and bad. There was some racism involved there because Ruth was a Moabitess, that Moabish woman. That's, That's how some people say it. And so there was redemption, there was ageism, there was racism. But all in all, the providence of God and the redemptive plan of God were the main themes of Ruth. And uh, it's good to reflect on those things even now. Um, Redemption, providence. So that was Ruth. Then we went from Ruth to... Huh? 
Jonah, also four chapters, also five messages. Um, and the big themes of, of Jonah, the biggest theme to me was sovereignty, that God was sovereignly directing everything. Um, I made a, a nice outline of Jonah. Are you ready? Here it goes. Go, know, run, hide, found, overboard, swallowed, praise, vomit, go, yes, preach, repent, anger, confrontation, question. That's the book of Jonah. But all through those words, all through those actions, God is the main character. God's the director and the producer, and he's the star of the show. It's not Jonah. It's not a big fish. It's not Assyrians. It's God. Sovereignly, directly intervening in issues like race, fear, and showing grace and Chris mentioned it this morning, to people that other people wouldn't show grace to. Go to, the, go to Nineveh, Jonah. Nineveh? That's in Assyria. That's our mortal enemies. Again, that'd be like God sending us into Afghanistan and saying, go preach to the Taliban. And we're like, mm, have you seen what they do to people? Have you seen what they do to your people? That's exactly what Jonah was facing. And God said, go. Jonah said, no. God had him swallowed by a great fish and puked up on the earth. And God said, Jonah, go. Okay, I'll go. But I ain't going to like it. And he didn't like it. And he goes into Nineveh. He preaches this, yet three days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And the Ninevites repent. And Jonah's like, praise God, you do great. No, Jonah's like, ooh, I told you that's what was going to happen. I told you that you were quick to give out forgiveness and grace. That's why I didn't want to come here. Because you forgave those jokers. I'm still going to sit here and see if maybe, just maybe, you might rain fire from heaven. Because these are the Ninevites. And he camps out there. And God gives them a, a plant for shade. And Jonah's like, I love the plant. plant is good. Then God sends a worm. And the worm eats the plant. And Jonah is mad. Took my plant away. And God asked him, do, do you do right to be angry about the plant? Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. And God says, okay, should I not care about the Ninevites? You care about a plant and your comfort. Should I not care about these Ninevites with X amount who don't even know their left hand from their right hand? And also many cattle, question mark in the book. And it confronts us. Do we care about the right things? Do we care about people? Do we care about proclaiming the gospel to people who have not yet heard it? Even those who hate us. Even those who are our enemies. You're like, well, I don't have any enemies because I'm a Christian. Well, God bless you. Because I don't always think that way. I definitely don't always feel that way. And God confronts us directly and says, should I not care about them? And in turn is asking us, should you not as well? 
That was Jonah. It was good. Then we turned our attention to the pastoral epistles, and we made it as far as 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2. So far we've been four chapters and two verses, nine messages in 1 Timothy. Chapter 1 calling for purity of doctrine and the need for correction as far as that doctrine goes. Chapter 2, a call to prayer, subjection to the government, men's, women's roles. Well, that's not very cool in 2021, is it? God says, this is the way things are done in my house, among my people. And that's never going to change. That was not a cultural argument that Paul made from creation, that Adam was created first and then Eve. It's God's design. And we saw that in chapter 2. Chapter 3, we talked about elders and deacons, qualifications and roles. We talked about the the central theme of 1 Timothy in chapter 3, how one is to conduct himself in the church, which is the household of the faith, which is the pillar and buttress of the truth, the very dwelling place of God. That's chapter 3. Chapter 4, we looked at when some depart from the faith. And it was happening then, and it's happening now. And I saw a tweet the other day, which I don't remember who said it, that said, no Christian has ever deconstructed their faith. John would say they went out from us because they were never of us. And I believe that. Because there's a call to perseverance, but there's not just a call to perseverance. There's the great news that those whom God calls persevere. And there will be those who come in these doors and leave these doors and never come back. There will be those who say, I tried the church thing and it didn't work out for me. And the scripture is pretty clear. Those people weren't ever believers. They tasted, they saw, and then they departed because they never were of us. Now, I'm not saying that to their shame. I'm saying that to encourage you in your faith that if somebody is called by God, they might walk away. And God's going to bring them back. I'm not saying we can't wander. I'm not saying we can't question. I'm not saying we can't get so convoluted and disoriented in our faith that we think we don't have it anymore. But he who began a good work in you will perfect it at the day of Christ Jesus. The prodigal son parable comes to mind. There in that face wanting to be buried in that pig trough, he came to himself. And he thought, there's servants in my father's house who are living way better than I'm living. I'll go back home and I'll just tell my dad, I'll be your servant because that's better than what I'm doing right now. And what happened when the father saw him coming up the road? He tucked up his garment and ran down the road, kissed him and put the ring on him and the robe on him and the shoes on him, all signs of family. And the prodigal never got out his full speech of I'll be your servant. My son who was dead, has come back. We must make merry and rejoice. That's the God that we serve. Not, oh, I don't like that, and your God's mean, so it's not real. That's not the God that we serve. That is a God that is constructed by a secular worldview, which doesn't persevere in trials. Walks away when things get tough. When it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. 
when your best friend stabs you in the heart, when Judas betrays his Lord. It's been happening since all this stuff we've covered. And it's going to continue to happen. And there is strength for that. There is grace for that. We saw. That was 1 Timothy. I'm still stuck in 1 Timothy 4. And after we saw that some will depart from the faith, there was a call to devotion to the Scriptures. The words, the doctrine, the truth revealed by God. And then chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we saw the church as family. Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and how we should treat each other according to age and gender, which is funny, too, that that kept coming up, right? So pertinent, so relevant the Bible is. The themes of the day are found all through the scriptures. And that's where we finished our exegetical section of the year, 17 chapters covered in 45 messages. Just so you know, there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. And we covered 17 of them this year. And then we moved into Advent. And we saw that he was promised to be coming all through the Old Testament. We saw through the Gospels that he did indeed come. And then last week we talked about he is coming again. And all of that being true. And so... That's the year that was. So then what? Let me go back to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. Listen, that we may share his holiness. For, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later, 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 it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. I think we've all experienced this year some discipline from the Lord. And I'm afraid that in our minds and in our hearts, what we think and what we feel, we jump to, oh yeah, when we hear that word discipline. When what we should be doing is going, thank you God, for the hardships. Thank you for the struggles. 
Thank you for the insanity that has been 2021. Why? Because through these struggles, through these hardships, through this confrontation with the world, with the flesh, with the devil, God is disciplining us so that we we may share his holiness. And it doesn't feel good right now. It feels painful rather than pleasant. But here's that word, later. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God is calling us to himself. God is conforming us to the image of his son by this discipline, by these hardships. And it doesn't say rejoice and give each other a high five. Now, the disciples did that when they were disciplined. They celebrated that they were worthy to suffer because of the name of Jesus. But he doesn't say jump up and down, but he does say, hey, know that God is disciplining you, God loves you, and God has something better for you, and it will reveal itself later. One other thing that I wish I could go back and tell 10, 12, 14-year-old me, good later is better. Learn how to delay gratification. Learn how to struggle to get something better. Learn how to suffer so that later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So as we look back at 2021, and maybe you had a good year. I don't know. Maybe you're like, well, I didn't really struggle much. Praise God. And if you did struggle much, praise God. Because the end goal is that we might share and yield that peaceful fruit of righteousness. So those 11 verses call us to first look back at the past and not grow weary or despise the hardships that you've gone through. Now watch this. I'm going to read 12 to 14 and then 18 to 29. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. And strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame might not be put out of joint but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 18. For you've not come, watch this, for you've not come to what may be touched. And he's making an analogy here with the ancient Israelites who received the law from the very presence of God. And that presence of God looked like this. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. You haven't come to that. You haven't come to the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. You haven't come there, church. That's law. That's performance. That's you trying to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and trying harder to do better. That's what this leads to. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. We talked about that last week. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, 
and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. It's God. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, listen, his voice shook the earth. And it was scary. It was frightening. But now he has promised, listen church, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. These earthly things. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So we look back at the hardships and the struggles and the discipline and the, the, the working of God that squeezes us and shapes us and molds us. And we go, oh, that's hard. And we look back at the people who've made it through that. And then we show up in the very presence of God. By his doing, by his calling, because of the finished work of Christ. And he shows us, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And that might be in 2022. So do we tiptoe in and say, "Uh uh-oh, this could be bad? No. We stand in the very presence of God, receiving the very word of God, in the power of the spirit of God. And we thank God for receiving that which cannot be shaken. An eternal kingdom. And we encourage one another with those words. We preach the gospel of this kingdom to every creature. And we say, one day, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And only that which is unshakable will remain. And the only thing that is unshakable is the very kingdom of God given by God to his people for his glory. One day we're all going to stand before the judge. We talked about that last week too. And it will be the judge who determines what truth is. It'll be the judge who determines who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, both of which are eternal. And the smoke of their torment goes up day and night. And there is no relief. Hell's a real place just like heaven's a real place. And we preach a gospel of forgiveness and grace by the finished work of Christ, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, who is coming back to establish that kingdom. And that kingdom is received by grace through faith in the finished work of that king. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Thus I receive an unshakable kingdom that I will spend eternity in giving him glory for the work that he did to save my soul and to make a new heavens and a new earth which will never pass away. Unshakable. That's the truth. You say, well, you sound like you're trying to convince yourself. Sometimes I've got to. I do. I struggle. I question. I shake my fist at the sky, at God. Why? 
I question, do I really believe this? An invisible God who lives in me and is bringing all things to a completion of a kingdom that's going to come out of the sky and be on the earth? I do. And you guys help me believe. You encourage me. You correct me. You discipline me. You exhort me. You love me. You serve me. And that's what we do. Because we're the family and the household of God. Three quick application points. Three R's. Reflect, repent, rejoice. Reflect, repent, rejoice. Reflect. Take some time in the next week or so. Look back at where you've been this year in your life. But don't just look at your life. Look back through history. Look back at a God who existed eternally before time began. Look at his plan that is being worked to perfection. Literally every prophecy has come true from the past. Every prophecy of the future will come true. Reflect. Look back on that. Remember the good, the bad, the hard, the victories, the sins, the setbacks, the struggles. And know that God has used those things in his sovereignty to discipline you, to shape you, and to mold you. And don't let them press you into hopelessness. Let those past struggles and that past discipline encourage you toward holiness. God has not wasted one single suffering that you've gone through. And he will not. So look back at those things. And maybe you don't fully understand, God, why is this happening? Later. Later. So look back. That's reflect. Second application point is repent. God's pressing us on toward holiness, but there ain't a soul in this building that's doing it 100% right. You've all sinned this year. I dare say you've all sinned today. Repent. Confess those sins. See the sins and the sin in your life. Those two things are different, by the way. You commit sins because sin lives in you, in your flesh. See the sins and the sin in your life. And Hebrews calls us to lay them aside. This is a pattern of sin in my life. I've got to repent of it. I've got to change the way I think about it. This is sin, and it's not pressing me on toward holiness. It's hindering me in my path toward holiness, and I want to repent of it. I want to lay it aside. But here's the deal. If you're honest with yourself, we like the sin. It feels good. We enjoy it. Did God really say you die? You won't die. This just feels good. Do it. The voice of the culture, the voice of the enemy, the voice of the flesh. But I can tell you this right now. There is no sin that is as good. There is no sin that is as pleasurable or as wonderful as the kingdom that we have received and that will forever be ours. There is no sin that is as pleasurable as the pleasure of God. So repent of it. Why? 
third R, rejoice. I almost did run, but I needed re in there, I think. Since there is no sin that is as good, as pleasurable, or as wonderful as the kingdom that we have received and that will forever be ours, rejoice. Forsake your sins and rejoice in the kingdom that is coming. Rejoice and run the race with endurance when hardships come, when struggles come, when the discipline of the Lord comes. Rejoice! Because His kingdom is coming as well. A perfect kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything that can be will be shaken, but this kingdom will never be shaken. So rejoice and encourage one another to keep running. When I fall down, pick me up. And when you fall down, call out to me so that I can help pick you up. As we encourage each other to rejoice because your running is not in vain. And we need each other to remind us of these things. That's why it's important to be here. That's why it's important to interact on Facebook if you can. To send a text, to call, to go sit down with somebody, share a meal. To listen when people are... Struggling to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. All those one another's in the New Testament. That's what we do as the church. So that we can encourage one another, remind each other to run and rejoice because the King is coming. And His kingdom is forever and can never be shaken. I can honestly say without a bit of hesitation... It is one of the chief joys of my life to share this gospel path with this group of people without hesitation. I could not be any happier with the situation God's given us. We ain't perfect. I know some of y'all, and I I could tell some things on y'all. I don't do it, though. And I rejoice in that. I rejoice in the present as we encourage each other toward the future. Learning from the past, planning for the future, living right now. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Three things I want to, uh, you're like, you just had three application points. Reflect, repent, rejoice, right? Three things that I I want us to incorporate into our church life in this coming year. First is I'm going to be posting a reading plan. I I ask you to participate in it as individuals and as families. I don't command it. I'm not going to dictate it. I'm not, not that I could. Uh, I'm not going to police it. I just think there's something good about us reading the same things throughout the year and working through the Bible in a year, which is a fantastic discipline. Oh, I don't like reading plans. I fall behind. I feel guilty. There's therefore now. No So that's one thing that we're going to do together. And again, participate if you can, if you want to. The second thing is there's an app, Operation World. Anybody familiar with Operation World? It is, there's a book, there's a website, there's an app. And you pray for every country in the world throughout the year. And there's daily countries, like I don't remember what today is, I could pull it up, but I'd mess up my recording. Uh, Operation World. I want us to be working through that together. I want us to be praying for the nations of the world, of the earth, throughout the coming year. And here's one of my goals for the coming year. And I want you to participate if you want to and if you can. I, by the grace of God, 
have talked to some people already and we're already working on it. I'm going to memorize Romans 8 this year. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen by the grace of God. You say, you're crazy. It's less than a verse a week. Less than. Let's see, Romans 8 is 30, uh, 39 chapters. Uh, 39 verses. One chapter, 39 verses. That's less than a verse a week. So, that's my goal. Particip- participate if you want to. Hmm? That's a dandy. That's a dandy. I don't know that there's a better one. So, the reading plan, Operation World, memorizing Romans 8, those are our three corporate goals that I'd love for you to participate in if you can. Things to do with your family. Read the same plan. Pray for the same nation. Memorize the same verses. Just something for us to grow together. Reflect, repent, rejoice. Looking back, looking forward, he is coming. Let's celebrate. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have been faithful all of our lifetimes back into eternity past. And you will be faithful all the way through into eternity future. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the work of Jesus who came to earth as a person, truly man and truly God, lived a perfect life died a death on a cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins if we'll receive that gift of grace by faith and trust in him we will be saved if we confess with our mouth believe in our heart Jesus Christ was resurrected and he is our Lord God give the gift of salvation if there be anybody here this morning who hasn't placed their faith in Jesus and may they see him as the eternal Lord to whom they willingly, lovingly give their lives to, knowing that he will lovingly and willingly give his life for them and to them as well. Father, may we run the race well that is 2022, should it come to be. Thank you for 2021. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We just stand and receive a benediction. I don't guess I'll do dropkick me, Jesus. You want me to? I mean, I can doesn't feel right. I just I don't think I can bring myself to do it. Jude is my favorite one. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>